on one hand, there's this narrative at the moment where it's like, you got to hustle, you got to work till midnight every night, you got to be up at all hours trying to do your side hustle. And then there's this narrative of like, self-care, don't yeah. feel the pressure to hustle. You're like, oh my God, where am I supposed to be sitting in these things? Which one is right? You know, it's like, it's okay if all you did today was breathe. You know, there's all those narratives as well. And then it's like, oh my God, I don't know which one I'm supposed to be. And there's all this pressure. And it's mm. just like, just do what makes you happy and what you're comfortable with. And it doesn't matter what the outside world is doing, what you want got to do to get what you want to achieve. That's what you've got to do. And if that's what makes you happy, then do that. Welcome to The Balance Theory, a podcast aimed at arming you with tools and tips so that you are well equipped to not only identify and define, but own your own definition of balance. I'm your host, Erica, and thank you for joining me today. Hey, balancers, and welcome back to another episode of The Balance Theory podcast. Well, what a week it has been. I feel like I have now leveled up again in my meditation. So for those of you who have listened to Monday Muse 11, you would have heard that I had a little bit of a breakthrough with my meditation practice as I set the goal to meditate every single day since the start of the year. And because I've been consistent, I'm now starting to see all these incredible impacts. So the one I noticed about a fortnight ago was that I really wasn't feeling anxiety or stress, or if I was feeling a little bit heightened, I was able to really quickly ground myself. But now we've just taken that up to a whole nother level. I feel like I'm playing like a game of Mario Kart or something. And I've actually started to get like visuals when I'm meditating. So sometimes I see like this gorgeous, like red fiery sun and other times it's been like an eye and I've Googled it. You know, some people say that's using your chakra, which I don't know too much about. So feel free to DM me if anyone's really deep into that. Um, and others just say that the, the different visuals have different meanings, but like I am blissfully overwhelmed by it. It was a very unexpected aspect of meditation, not one I actually even had any knowledge about. So it was a very nice surprise. So I thought I would just share that as another bonus, I guess, of my practice today. Keen to see what else pops up. So I just want to ask you something. Just imagine, or maybe this is your reality. You're living a comfortable, pretty risk-free life. Everything's breezy. And then at 30 years young, you get diagnosed with cancer. This was the reality of our gorgeous guest today. And it was truly a gift to have her on the podcast today to not only share her story, but I think as well spread her learnings and takeaways from this tumultuous life experience that she had, which she has now completely flipped on its head and is truly a woman that I feel drawn to. I'm admiring all of her work and she's really paving the way for a lot of other women to feel empowered as well. So in the podcast, we'll go into all the businesses she owns because there are quite a few, but the one I love the most or the one I guess I've interacted with the most is her podcast, She Was the Fire. I know that Courtney's style is quite honest and raw, but I do want to thank her for bringing everything she had to this podcast and being very transparent about her whole journey along the way. I learned so much and I know that you guys are going to connect with it a lot as well. So basically we start from the very beginning and she shares how cancer for her was almost a wake up call to show up as herself. Up until that point, she felt like she was holding back, worrying about all these things that really in in perspective or in the grand scheme of things didn't even matter. And this sort of pushed her to break free from the judgment of others. As a trending theme of the month, we also talk about the hustle and self-care balance and how to carefully place yourself in both of them and avoid burnout. She also shares her own definition of balance, which was really, really nice. And basically to summarize, it's if you're happy with what you're doing, then you're balanced. And I always love hearing people's different definitions of it. It always It's a very personal thing, but I think if you can take away a small little thing from everyone's definition and come up with your own, it's always a very fruitful way to define it. Another topic we chatted about, which I don't know if I've actually spoken about this on the podcast before, but I love this, is knowing your communication style. So this is so important, not only for your self-care, but also to nourish your relationships. So about how to actually work out your communication style is and how to express that to others so that your relationships can be as authentic as possible. She also gives some tips for juggling a lot and she knows a hell of a two or thing about that. How to structure your business and work around what motivates you, what to do if you're not fully satisfied with your current job or fulfillment area and tips for when you're setting goals and why it's okay to change your goals, which is sort of fitting that this is coming up to halfway through the year. So maybe it's time to revisit those new year's resolutions or goals that you set for yourself back in January. 
I've popped links to her Instagram below, which has links to all of her businesses. I've also popped a link to her podcast because I absolutely love it and strongly suggest that you add it to your weekly listens if you do enjoy today's episode. I'm going to stop chatting now so we can dive straight in. I hope you love this chat as much as I did and feel free to share it with someone who you feel like will equally enjoy it. Courtney Mangan, a very warm welcome to the Balance Theory podcast. It's really lovely to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate having a chat with you. Likewise. So just so our listeners, I guess, get a little bit of a feel for who you are and what you're doing or everything you're doing at the moment, could you share a little bit about your story um, and what, I guess, what keeps your lights on today? (laughs) Okay. So for me, work-wise, I own a couple of businesses. So I co-own a business called Spinning Co, which is a branding agency, which sort of works around that sort of PR side of things, digital marketing, working with influencers, content creation, all that kind of stuff, events. And then I also own another business called the Spin Studio Network, which is a podcasting agency. And then I'm also a creative director for a skincare brand called James Cosmetics, which is owned by my brother, And then I have my own like side hustle, which is Courtney Mangan Co., which is a stationery collection that I've launched recently. Um, And that's kind of like my work side of things. Uh, Me more personally, I guess like a big part of my story over the last few years was that I was diagnosed with stage 3B uh, cancer, melanoma. And for the last 12 months, I had been going through cancer treatment to get rid of you know, the cancer in my body. And at the moment, like I've just finished treatment and I don't have any active cancer. So moving Amazing. forward with that. So I guess that's my like story in a nutshell. I'm 34 and I'm single. That's my other like, you know, dating app. <laughs> <laughs> that goes on the, on the, on the bio, on the dating apps. Love it. <laughs> yeah. Dating profile, 34 and single. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Um, just so I guess, I mean, that is incredible and congratulations. That's you know a very big achievement. You must be, you know, very relieved with that over the last 12 months. I guess leading up to that, because I remember reading on your website, you you tell the story about you had all your shit together and then this sort of just hit you in the face, you know, this at 31 years old, you you find out this life-changing thing about yourself. How how was that process for you? Like, can you talk to me a little bit about your life just before you found out? And I guess, you know, like, I, I mean, I can't even imagine what, what kind of changes you had to implement. How did that sort of really impact your perspective on life? Well, I think so. I've had cancer twice now. So the first one was, yeah, around my 30s. And that was um, a melanoma as well, obviously, that it came back again um, in 2019, late in 2019. And so I guess the first time it was like a little bit of a wake up call and I changed a few things. That was really where I started to kind of change my perspective on. I realized I was doing a lot of things, worrying about what other people thought of me. So like I I was really obsessed with beauty and YouTube and I wanted to start my own YouTube channel, but I was always like, oh no, like what would the people I went to school with think of me? And I was like, why would a 30 year old care what someone I went to school with Such like, a over a decade? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Like, why would I care about that? Or like, oh my God, that guy I hooked up with at that party. Like what would he think of me having a YouTube channel like when I was <laughs> 17? Like, I don't even know why I was running my life based on people who I didn't know or care about what they were doing. It's just always that thought in the back of your head that like, all the people that you went to school with are getting together and laughing at your videos. You know, it's like, that's ridiculous. And even if they are like, what difference does that make to my life? And so it was sort of through that first initial diagnosis. So I was like, oh, I think I'm kind of like holding myself back a little bit and not doing the things that I want to do based on other people's judgments. And I started to make some small changes then. And just like, I think everything, you sometimes get a little bit complacent. And I think it wasn't until the second diagnosis, which was much more serious. And initially I was diagnosed as stage four cancer. Um, and then it was re-diagnosed a couple of months later. But initially when you hear like, oh, you have an 18% chance of survival, that really is like a kick in the guts where you're like, holy shit, uh-huh. you know? And so you start to have to reassess kind of everything in your life. And not so much that it's like, oh my God, I didn't get to travel to the Great Wall of China. And it wasn't like those kinds of things. It was more the little stuff where I was like, wow, I really wasn't being myself when I chose to put that out there. Or, you know, I really wanted to start talking about 
certain things on social media, but I'm too scared to show up as myself. And I constantly have to be wearing makeup and everything has to seem like it's perfect when it's actually not. And it kind of just made me be a little bit more comfortable in who I am because I was like, you know what? Like literally YOLO. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like life is short. What am I doing here? Like, why am I scared to be on Instagram without makeup on? Like, why do I care if people see me that way and I need to just start being more authentic than myself and not doing what I think everybody else wants me to do and it was just about me kind of finding stuff that I was passionate about and that I wanted to pursue for my life that like at the end of the day you know on your deathbed it's like when you look back you're not going to think about like oh what did everyone think of me you're going to think like what did you think of your own life yeah absolutely love that and I guess that's that's really key I guess concept for everyone to wrap their heads around because I think a lot of us if not right now definitely in the past have either done things or lived through a period where it is for other people and not for ourselves and I think when you're doing stuff like that it's very hard to feel aligned balanced and you know in touch with your why and your purpose like you were saying you know to find like what what it is that you actually want to do so it's a good it's a good kind of moment for listeners to stop and reflect like are you doing anything in your lives right now where you feel like "Hmm, that's not really what I want to be doing am I doing it because I feel obliged to do it am I doing it because I'm worried what other people are going to think you know it's always I love having these little reflective moments throughout the podcast where people can just say oh okay you know like how can I really take that person's story or that person's learnings and and think about it on my own. And I think it's really important before you even start having a conversation about balance to be looking at your connectedness to your why and your purpose. So I love that. Exactly. And I think that's part of like, part of my purpose now is trying to like encourage, especially women, but I guess everyone, um, but as a woman, it's easier to relate to other women to know that, you know, like don't hold yourself back and don't wait for a cancer diagnosis to realize like what you want to do with your life. You know what I mean? I think we all kind of need these sort of, I'm trying to give people that like wake up call without actually having to have the real wake up call, you know, of cancer, like nobody needs that in their lives. So that's kind of what I want to be able to do for other women. Yes. Love that. And and I'm assuming that's sort of the basis for your podcast, which is She Was the Fire. And I want to know what was the moment you realized that you were the fire? I think like it, there was no like exact moment. It was a slow burn just to really play on the puns there. Um, and it was like that first diagnosis. And then I sort of, uh, around that first diagnosis, I'd had a conversation with my brother. My brother is like a very, um, it, it, it's, it's so interesting to me because we grew up in exactly the same circumstances, right? We had the same parents, the same upbringing, the same schooling, same education, all of that, same environment. The only difference was one of us was a man and one of us was a woman. And it's just so interesting to see that the confidence and the difference in self-doubt that we both have, that he just lives his life being like, why would I care what other people think? And I'm like, all I care about is what everyone else is thinking about me. Yeah. And it's just so strange to think that like, you know, women and men can grow up in the same circumstances, but they can be so very different. And I think that it really is something that a lot of women do have issues with where it's self-doubt and, you know, they are scared about judgment from other people. And so he kind of around that diagnosis time initially had said to me like, I don't understand why you're not doing this YouTube channel. You keep talking about wanting to do it. And I'm like, oh, I just like don't know what people will think of it. And he was like, why do you care what people will think of it? And it was just like that moment where I was like, I don't really know how to answer that. Like, why do I care what other people will think of it? I'm not quite (laughs) sure. And he's like, what people are you talking about? I was like, I don't know. (laughs) So it was just that kind of wake up call. And then it was like this sort of run on effect from there that I was just changing little things and then the second cancer diagnosis was that real kick at the butt thing like god like you kind of had that spark initially around that first cancer diagnosis and then you let it kind of go away and now you've got to kind of reignite it and it was just like I I wanted to turn something very bad into a positive where I thought like I don't want to go into my room and crawl up into a ball and be sad and upset all the time and let this affect me mental health wise I want this to like be a fuel for my fire and you know I realize that I can be myself and be who I want to be and do what I want to do so it was kind of like yeah a slow burn but it all kind of came from that final cancer diagnosis where I was like what am I doing here you know so that's I guess where I kind of realized I was like it's been in me all along because I'm now finally being who I want to be like who I know I am and I'm not afraid to be that it wasn't that it was about changing myself it was that the fire was in me all along and I just needed to kind of like let it out and not be scared to show. Love it. And and I guess if we're going to stretch out that metaphor, it's almost like you said, like we've all got the fire within us, but it's about really 
putting yourself in the right circumstances so that that fire can be ignited? You know, have you got your air and water? How, are you like grounded enough to actually get that fire kickstarted? So I love that. And I love everything you're doing with the podcast. So if anyone listening hasn't checked it out, I'll pop a link to it in the show notes, but it's, you know, you've got such great guests on. You're very raw and honest on there as well. Um, so yeah, definitely one worth adding to the list. Um, if we are now to chat a little bit about your balance, and I guess it kind of rolls on from what you were saying before, like, you know, you're now kind of doing all these things that you feel like are really authentically you, um, you feel really in, in touch with your purpose. And I think that's amazing um, and hope nothing less for everyone else as well. Um, but what I love is when I initially reached out to you, and I, I must admit, probably the name of the podcast being The Balance Theory puts a lot of people off because they think, oh, balance, like, yep, don't have that. I'm not, you know, like I probably won't align with it. But what I love about your uh, initial email back, I explain the whole theory and you go to me, oh, well, I work a lot. So I'm not sure if I'm the right person for your podcast. And I was like, I'm going to share with everyone what I said to you. And I said, you're actually the perfect person because everything we're doing here is to share other people's stories, the way other people interact with their different areas of balance. So that is a combination of your health, your relationships and your areas of fulfillment. And so if you spend all your, or most of, most of your time in your fulfillment area, which for you is your work, it's all your side hustles, it's your, you know, all the little things you're passionate about. And then only a little bit in your health and relationships, that's fine. It's about empowering people to, I guess, own their own balance at different moments in their life. And so when big things like, you know, the unfortunate, or, or I guess now it's sort of you've turned into a positive, the, the event that happened to you, like your balance obviously would have shifted a lot. You would have had to run and pay more attention to your health. And so it's just about empowering yeah. people to own that balance at different points in their time, sorry, in their lives. So I guess I want to know a little bit, what's your balance like right now? I know you're a workaholic and you love what you do and that's cool. And we want to totally own that. <laughs> Yeah, I think for me, yeah, because I do like what I do, it doesn't feel like work to me. So when I go home and, you know, I'm on my phone whilst I'm watching TV, so that to me is what balance is. I structure my day so that the things that I do at night are things that can be done whilst also enjoying a TV show. So, you know, I do a lot of social scheduling. So I have to be like trolling the internet, trying to find content to post and all that kind of stuff, which I can do scrolling Instagram whilst I'm watching TV, you know, it's like those little things that I, I don't do any like business plans at night. Yes. Obviously that happens during the day. Um, you know, when I'm trying to be like more creative, I might need to be able to go through, you know, Pinterest and try and find things that like spark creativity in me. I can do that at the same time as doing other stuff. Yes. So for me, it's about structuring my day to make sure that even though I am working at night, because I'm able to still do things I'm not stuck behind a desk in an office till all hours it does still feel like balance to me because I still enjoy what I do mm -hmm. I think that if I was in an office from like 5 a.m till you know like midnight stuck behind a desk that would probably feel very different for me mm -hmm. um, but because I'm able to you know structure my day around what works best for me and being creative at night rather than in the morning and getting all those like you know list kind of like to do things done in the day where it's like more detail oriented I'm able to structure things like that and then also yeah. like I do make sure that I go out and do social things but I also don't go out and have like big vendors so then the next day my whole day is ruined because I need to be able to work the next day so it's just about like having things in moderation I did have to make changes around the diagnosis I wasn't living like a the way the business was structured wasn't sustainable for long periods. If I was sick, I was kind of like micromanaging all of our staff here and everything had to come through me and I had to make all the decisions and I had to like, no one felt empowered enough to make their own choices because they felt like they had to check with me all the time yeah. because I was always kind of like second guessing everything and micromanaging everything. And so I had to restructure the business in a way that I made all of my staff make sure that they felt empowered to make decisions. Even if maybe it's not the decision I would have made, we need to work towards that together. I was, I had that mindset of like, I can just do it better myself and it'll just be faster if I do it myself. So I'll just do it. Whereas then when I realized like I can't do everything that's not sustainable, especially if like I get really sick here, you know, what if my treatment makes me really ill and I can't come into work, the business can't come to a standstill. So I then had to sort of restructure everything so that people felt empowered. And that was also about that balance, making sure that I was sort of balancing what worked for my health as well as what worked for my business and what worked for me mentally as well. So yeah, I think that as women, especially, we do feel a lot of pressure to be like perfect mums, 
perfect wives, perfect business people and get that balance exactly right. But it's just everyone's journey is completely different about what you feel comfortable balanced in. So I think it's hard because judgment is like, on one hand, there's this narrative at the moment where it's like, you got to hustle, you got to work till midnight every night, you got to be up at all hours trying to do your side hustle. And then there's this narrative of like, self-care don't yeah. feel the pressure to hustle you're like oh my god where am I supposed to be sitting in these things which one is right you know it's like it's okay if all you did today was breathe you know there's all those narratives as well and then it's like oh my god I don't know which one I'm supposed to be and there's all this pressure and it's mm. just like just do what makes you happy and what you're comfortable with and it doesn't matter what the outside world is doing what you want got to do to get what you want to achieve that's what you've got to do and if that's what makes you happy then do that Absolutely. And it is kind of like the angel and the devil, you know, self-care versus hustle telling you and fighting in your head all at once. And I've spoken to so many people as well who just have like a nine to five job and they're like, oh, I want a side hustle. And I was like, okay, like why? Like, what are you passionate about? They're like, I don't know. I just feel like I need one. And I'm like, it's not, yeah. you know, like if I, I feel like you kind of have side hustles when your your main gig isn't giving you I guess, something that you're really passionate about or something you're really interested in. So like for me, for example, doing exactly this, connecting with people, um, sharing stories is not something I get in finance law when I'm, it's quite transactional and I'm, you know, sitting behind contracts all day. So therefore I've, I've kind of gone out and, and sought that from something else. But yeah, I totally agree with you there. There's a bit of a push and pull there, which puts a lot of pressure on people when it does come to defining and I think more importantly, owning their own balance. Um, but, but what I love about what you said as well is balance is really like codependent. So it's not even like we're just looking at say Courtney and then looking at her health, her relationships and her fulfillment. It's like, well, within Courtney's business, how does health, you know, like how does, how does your health play into when considering your own business structures? And, you know, it could be the same thing when, even when you start a family, like then you've got to consider the business in and amongst that. So they're all like codependent in some ways. And, and I think the main thing here is that it, it is going to change. Sometimes it even changes throughout the day, like unexpected things happen. And yes, you might have a perfect morning routine of meditating and doing a 5k run before the sun comes up, but you know, so you might get the worst text in the world when you wake up and that goes straight out the door. So then it's like, how do you recalibrate that throughout the day? How do you make space and time for yourself to make sure you're still nurturing, I guess, throughout the whole week? Um, and I always like looking at it in terms of what are your small things or the things you give back to yourself either every day or over a whole week period and just making sure you kind of recharge. You know, it is not about having stellar morning routine where you do all the things it's just about knowing what you need to recharge and, and what that looks like and, and I, I'm sure you you um, also relate to like you go through periods where you're like super driven motivated and you're just on and then some weeks you're feeling so off and that's maybe when you need to tap into the self-care angel a little more but I guess it's kind of knowing when yeah. to you know utilize each of them I was just gonna say that I think also for me I define balance I think a lot of people defines balance as what you're doing physically like are you physically working are you physically out for drinks with your friends but for me I define balance more around like what's going on mentally in my head mm. like am I more happy than I am stressed then that's balance to me you know what I mean like those things are gonna always happen so I think for me it doesn't matter what I'm doing but if it's like if somebody else thinks that I shouldn't be working at night but it's making me happy. So I, I don't I don't really care. Like if you can't handle the working night, then that's your own thing. Like that's not balanced for you. Absolutely. But for me, that's what I am passionate about. So I'm fine doing that. And so me mentally, I'm happy. That's what's balanced to me. Do you know what I mean? And so like, does that make sense? Like it's not yeah, necessarily absolutely. about what physically doing you feeling. Like, am I getting those juices flowing creatively once a day? Am I getting those things where I am being like really focusing on how I am feeling emotionally? Mm. Am I feeling in control? confident am I feeling happy am I feeling joy am I getting a laugh you know am I getting all of those kinds of emotions and then that mentally is what's balancing for me and that's what's important what's happening in my head not what I'm physically doing absolutely and and to your point like I've definitely had moments where you know I've been training five days a week and being very social but I'm so stressed out that I'm just not there like I'm physically not there I'm like, you know, I just would rather be at home and therefore I'm not present. And, you know, that is nowhere near as being balanced and, you know, being at home and maybe just chilling out, meditating and just working on things so I'm not overwhelmed the next week. So it's really just about being in tune, I guess, with what you need at different points and, and being receptive to the fact that that changes, you know, either daily or as different life events come around. But I'm curious when it does come to your self-care, 
over either the course of you know your day or your week what are the some what are some of the things you like routinely do to I guess keep yourself cared for um, I think that I am a little bit different. So I, I've tried the meditating thing and I really just can't. I tried it for like almost a whole year. I was like really trying to do it, but I just can't get to that. But it would be great if I could, but that's not, I don't do the sort of like traditional things. So for me, like listening to music, I find to be like my mm. form of meditation. I guess if I feel really stressed. Then I'll just like sit down, put music on in my earphones or my headphones, whatever I've got going on and just like sit there and be present with the song. And that to me, like really calms me down and helps me feel chill. Um, so sometimes it will just be sitting on my balcony and just listening to music and having like, you know, something that I'm eating or a cup of tea or whatever. It's just that moment of kind of like quiet and stillness. Yeah. Um, I also do this thing where um, I like, I, I'm not someone that has like a lot of time for like sitting in the bath and doing the whole bubble bath thing. It's just like a whole ordeal that I don't really have time for. So what I do is I turn all the lights off in my bathroom and I put a candle on and I have a shower with the candle. And so in the bathroom, not in the shower, obviously, and I play like nice. Music. And so it still gives me that like calming sort of yeah. vibe as a bath. But like I, it's a lot quicker and I still can get it like bang out that self-care. And, you know, for me, it's like I do watch a lot of TV while I'm also multitasking. So I feel like that's happening. I try to make sure that I do do social things regularly, but I'm also making sure that I don't just do social things to tick a box because we all know what it's like, as you said, to go out with your friends because you feel like oh, I have to go out this week. You know what I mean? And that was something that I really stopped doing when I had the cancer treatment because it did make me so tired that I was like I'm not just doing things to tick a box like if I really want to see my friends and I'm too tired and too overwhelmed to go out get dressed up do the cocktail thing I'm inviting them into my home for like a wine and cheese and yeah. that way it's like a lot less stress for me so I was trying to make things work better for me or like instead of being like let's have a 7 30 reservation I was like I don't really care that everyone thinks that I'm a nana I can go to dinner with you straight after work because I'm too tired too late in the night you know I just tried to fix things to like fit within my way of how I needed to live at the time I guess yeah. um, and now it's like oh a 7 30 dinner reservation wild I can actually <laughs> go which is nice but it's just like don't feel obligated to do everything under those circumstances as well like sometimes you have to say to your friends like I have kids a late dinner reservation isn't going to work for me but I can do it earlier on in the night and sort of move things around so for me self-care is like communicating with my friends so that things do work for both of us um, so that I can get that self-care in and take the time that I need but also not feeling like I feel pressured to go to everything under everybody else's terms all of the time and that was like a big game changer for me and my friends were just like yeah that's fine I like it early, early night too you know so that's good but yeah I think self-care is just about like things that like bring you a bit of joy and make you happy and like you're not feeling stressed in that moment so whatever that is to get you by maybe it's just sitting down for your breakfast for five minutes with no sound no music no kids no podcasts and just taking that time to reflect I do um, often do journaling so I do that as well if I'm feeling like some emotions coming up that I don't really know like oh why did I react that way when my friend said that or like why did I feel that way when that happened at work and I'll kind of like journal on that to kind of flesh out like where that's yeah. coming from so I can work on that so those are the kind of little things that I do. Yeah, great. And I one thing I actually really love that you just said, like an element of self-care is like communicating to other people what it actually looks like for you. And that is, I think, something that we don't speak enough about. We always talk about like what we've got to do, things that, you know, the different things you can do internally, physically, all those things to make yourself feel better. But at the end of the day, if you've got like your support network who doesn't understand what that means for you and you're constantly going to feel guilty because you're not meeting certain you know outings or if you can't have peace and quiet when you come home or if people don't understand why you want the tv turned down you know little things like that it's actually going to make your self-care so like onerous it's going to be very overwhelming it's going to be like a go in the too hard basket because you don't have the support network on your on, on your team so I think communicating is a big one especially if you live with other people too like I know um, like I live with my partner and we're very vocal about like what we need sometimes he's a so he's a chiropractor and he has patients all day every day he's talking all day long and I'm the complete opposite I'm in an office like I've got my team in the office but it's really like um, man and paper kind of work it's it's very solo and so when he when he gets home all I want to do is talk and when 
you know, and all he wants to do is just not talk. And so sometimes he'll literally be like, this is one of those nights. I just need to like not speak and just like watch my YouTube videos and maybe we can hang out later. And I'm like, yep, cool. But if he hadn't expressed like, you know, that's because my day is so overwhelming and I'm chatting all day and I, sometimes I just need to switch off. Like I'd probably take offense to that and then make his life a living hell as a result. So just as like a small, I guess, example, like I love that communication piece um, and it really does bridge that area of your relationships with the area of your own health. You know, it's important, very important. It's been really like an eye-opening thing for me over the past couple of years. Obviously, I've got an extreme version because, you know, you, you get cancer and then you realise that your mental health is like, I can't do anything about my, my physical health. You know what I mean? The doctors are having to take care of that because I need the treatment and stuff. But for me, my mental health really became so important because I was like, this is the only thing that I can try and like control myself. Yeah. And so I became... So aware about the way that people were communicating with me around my cancer diagnosis that I then was like I can't keep just accepting the way that people are doing things I need to tell them this is what I actually need from you and I had one of my friends say to me how can I best support you through this process and I was like wow right that was such a game changer because yeah I was like that meant everything to me because one you have like you've got the friends that you have to console them you know what I mean? It's like, oh, it's going to be okay because they're so upset. Then you have the friends who like try and put a silver lining on everything. It's like, oh, but at least it's not this bad cancer. And it's like, I don't really want to hear that. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah. And then you have the friends who try to don't want to bring it up because it's awkward. And you have all these different like people who have these all different communicating styles because they are doing what they would think they would want. And what we would all want in a very different situation is completely different. Yes. And what I wanted was very matter of fact, honest conversations that this is not a great diagnosis. It could go good or bad. We're going to do our best to make sure it heads in a great direction, but I wanted it to be very matter of fact. I wanted to be able to be honest with everybody. And I didn't want to have to be like caring about everybody else's else's emotions. I could only focus on my own. And so I had to then be very brave and be like, I need to tell everybody what I need from them and what I expect from them. Because you, you get to a point where you get a bit resentful. Like for example, like, you know, you're not in a great place when you find out that you might die, obviously. And so when your friends are like, oh, I'm so tired today. How are you? I'm like thinking you're tired. I'm going through cancer treatment. Okay. Like, you know what I mean? And then I'm like, wow, that's not healthy. What am I doing that for? Like everyone's still entitled to be tired, tired. You know what I mean? I'm not winning any yeah. medals for being the most tired. And I realized that I was like, had all these like bad triggers and I had to like kind of sort that through. And then I had to be like more communicate with my friends to be like, I just need you to know this is the place that I'm in at the moment. So I just need a bit of a break because some of the stuff you're saying around, you know, your boyfriend breaking up with you is very triggering to me because I'm comparing it to my situation. That's not fair. And so like, I, I was having to like have these conversations with my mom where I would say, I know that you want to put a positive spin on this, but I just need you to like sit with me and like, this is shit and you're allowed to feel shit. You know what I mean? Rather than like, nope, everything's going to be good. We're going to do this. And it's like, I just need a moment to be like, oh, that's crap. Yeah. And you can feel crap if you want to. Yeah. In this moment, you know? So it's just, I think it's so important. Obviously mine's an extreme version, but I think it's so important. You can't expect people to know how to communicate with you until you tell them how you need to be communicated with, because otherwise we're all coming from our own perspective of what we think is right, but that's not always what other people need. So yeah, communication is a big thing in that self care realm, I think, because whatever what the person next to you needs and what you need are two different things. Absolutely. And, and I think to your point, like when you wrap your head around that, it's very freeing because it takes away this judgment of how others are reacting. So rather than, you know, like you said, being triggered or getting angry at the, what are people, what people are saying or how maybe they're um, more on the avoidance side and find it a bit awkward, like rather than holding that resentment towards them, you can actually just let it go and be like, okay, maybe I just need to set the barrier or the boundary a little clearer and, and, and deeper into that is, you know, do you know what your communication style is? Do you know what you need? Cause that's actually the starting point, right? Like that's the most important thing. A lot of self-reflection, that's important. <laughs> yeah, a lot of journaling, a lot of, you know, pondering, I, I can only imagine. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. So I know you are like super busy um, and I know obviously like a lot of what you do is, is empowering women uh, like yourself and, and like me as well. And I'm curious to know, like, do you have any tips for people who are juggling a variety of things, whether they are, a parent um, slash business owner, owner, sorry, whether they are, you know, a student, anything to the degree where they're just juggling a busy lifestyle. 
Um, and I think just in general, living in a city and, you know, trying to afford uh, like pay to live in a city, you're probably going to have a busy life anyway. Um, and even if you're not worrying about the whole self-care, like train five days a week type thing. Do you have any tips um, that you share either on your podcast or that you firmly believe in to help people juggling a lot? Yeah, um, I have a few. I guess like for me, just the basics is like I write everything down or I document everything somewhere. So for me, all my appointments, whether it's like dinner with a friend or it's like meetings, whatever, it goes in my calendar because I know for me, in times of overwhelm and stress, my memory is the first thing that starts to have issues. And because when I'm stressed, I'm like, oh God, I can't remember when was that? What was this? So I make sure that I'm like religious about putting all of my appointments in my calendar. And then I also make sure that my to-do list, like, you know, email this person, do this project, whatever, that is like physically written down. And every Sunday night, I take 15 minutes to go through and write my master list for the week ahead. And then I can be ready to roll come Monday because I've already got that list done um, and so that for me is like something that's really important like just getting everything down on paper and it gives you like that big bird's eye view looking at the bigger picture of being like wow all of these things are really urgent and figuring out how to prioritize and then being like well that's not so urgent that can be moved to Friday rather than feeling you have to do everything on Monday because that's not realistic yeah so I do find that gives me that like overview so that I can then assign things for days during the week Another thing that I think is like equally as important as time management is self-management. And so for me, when I first started working or owning this business, Spin & Co, I'd gone from owning, sorry, working in, I was like an um, operations manager of like 300 staff. And I was constantly in the sales environment. So I was constantly bombarded with people coming into my office, asking me a million questions. It was sales driven. So everything was like, very goals driven you had to meet all these specific KPIs so it was very high pressure under the, that sense of things that you're always having to like justify why you didn't hit your targets or and because you're the manager you're not actually on the phone yourselves you're trying to motivate people to get those targets so you feel even less in control of that um, and so I went from this very fast-paced goal-driven environment to then you know when Sam and I first started spinning coat it was just like out of our house and so I'm just like sitting in a room alone <laughs> trying to self-motivate myself but yeah and I was like oh very quiet you know and so I then had to kind of realize my self-management and that I was a very goals driven person and then all of a sudden I'm doing these tasks that are just you know for instance like scheduling content for a client for Instagram that is a never-ending beast. The minute you finish scheduling, you have to continue scheduling because social media never ends. There's no end date for scheduling. You Every day you need two more posts. And so it just felt like I was on this hamster wheel and no, nothing was actually goals oriented. So then I sat down and was like, look, I'm going to make myself these, my own personal goals around this. Like how many posts can I get done in an hour? Or how many, how much can I increase engagement over the next week? Can I focus on increasing followers next week and setting my own individual goals? Because I realized as a self-management tool, what motivated me was goal setting. And I needed to work around that. Another thing that I know is that when I feel overwhelmed, one of my self-management tools is that I know I like to feel in control. So I will write down the littlest things I need to do, like literally every teeny tiny to-do list, just so that as I do it, I can cross it off. And I get that feeling of control back where it's like, I'm making progress. The ball is rolling. I feel overwhelmed, but it's small steps yeah. and I'm getting through the to-do list. And Little it's just that action. Hit. Yeah, exactly. It's just that little action where I just feel like, okay, it's all right. I'm in control here. So I think that learning what your self-management tools are is just as important as time management because you can have your day structured to like every inch of every moment and have your day completely planned out. But if you're not mentally in it, it's not going to work. You know what I mean? So you have to figure out your self-management, what works to motivate you, what works to control yourself under times of stress, like all of that kind of stuff, I think is really important. And then also I think remembering that like often when we multitask, we're doing two things badly rather than one two thing half. good. So I yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and so I think that it's important to remember that multitasking, whilst it can be quite glamorized sometimes, and even I myself, like I can do so many things at once, you know, as women, um, it's like a thing that we can do. But sometimes you do need to make sure that sometimes just focusing on one thing at a time and getting through that, getting that done is more beneficial than trying to do a few things at once. 
Yeah, love it. A lot of really good tips there. And um, I'm definitely a list person as well. I actually do do the whole Sunday night master list and then just sort of break it down throughout the week as I go. I love ticking things off too. But the thing I love about lists the most is it's you're just mentally discharging. You're just taking stuff out of your brain and leaving more space for other things because it's on the paper and it's just reliable. It's there. You can go back to it. Um, so I love exactly. that. Love that. Do you have any um, products in your stationary range that are like for lists specifically? Because I'll have to check them out if you do. Yeah, one of my notepads is a master list. So, oh my God, I need to get onto that because this is literally like just taking up the top right hand corner of every week in my diary. Um, but I would like it to be a little more pretty. So, I'll have to check yeah. it out. The other thing I love is the whole concept of getting your head around what motivates you because. Like you said, if you're someone who's in sales, that's obviously quite like results driven, goal driven. Um, but if that's not something that motivates you, you're not going to do too very well in that higher pressure environment. So understanding, I guess, what you're trying to achieve and what actually motivates you. And then you can, I guess, try and link the two. That's actually a good tip for anyone feeling maybe a little bit deflated, feeling a little bit demotivated, like they're not really like in sync, I guess, with what they're doing. That's a good one to look at, I think, because I'm sure there are ways you can... Um, segment you know different tasks and activities that can match your I guess motivation style so that's a really really interesting um, self-awareness tool so I love that one too you can't within your job just like you've done you've got this side hustle of this podcast that fuels your passions in other ways you can't get from your job so you know maybe you're able to do things at night maybe you can go to a pottery class because you really like your painting because you don't get creativity out of your accounting job mm. you know what I mean like there are other things that you can do if you can't get creative within your role and try and figure out ways to do that self-management then you need to be looking outside of that if you can't get it from your job because you know what it's okay not to be in love with your job yes. you know what I mean like I think there's pressure that we're going to wake up every day it's not going to feel like work because we love our jobs that is not realistic I love my job but it still feels like work yeah. I also would rather be sitting on a pool with SBF on obviously and a cocktail but you know what I mean so I think that there's this pressure so sometimes you are not going to get everything that you need from your job just like you're not going to get everything that you need from like you know your friends or your family you know what I mean you have to find things in other ways so I think that if you aren't getting like that goals driven thing at work maybe you could do something at night where you're in like a a basketball team and then you're getting that like you know team environment where you're winning things and you're getting that competitive vibe like who knows what it is but not necessarily it has to be within your job I just wanted to you know add that in <laughs> yeah no and, I, and I'm glad you did because it really is over glamorized that we have to be in love with our jobs and a lot of people are quite content just doing a job that pays the bills and then having their life outside of that you don't have to have this glamorized you know, obsession with your role because there aren't, not every single job's going to be like that. And all of us have very different needs and drivers. And so it's not always going to be a perfect match, but then to have those outside is, is definitely a great way to bring back your balance, even if it's not say from your job specifically. And that's actually why I called that last um, area of balance fulfillment instead of work because I feel like work is so limited to people with like careers or businesses. You really do exclude all the, um, you know, the hobbies, any studies you're doing, volunteer work. Um, if you're a full-time mom, you technically aren't. It's not, you know, classified work, even though I know it's a bloody hard job. Not personally, but <laughs> yeah. seeing my mom do it. But, you know, like your area of fulfillment really does go beyond work. So don't pigeonhole yourself to just, you know, trying to get that out of a job. But if you can get it out of a job, that's yeah. great for you as well. <laughs> yeah, what job is that? <laughs> It's like the chocolate taste for the Cadbury factory. <laughs> oh God, that makes me like, I'd probably make you sick all the time. I don't know. Any, um, any takers from listeners, let us know if you have a job that ticks all the boxes and you're on cloud nine every single day. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. So when it comes to, so I know we've kind of spoken about you setting up your week and being organized, but when it does come to setting goals, how do you approach this? And has this changed since your, I guess, experience with cancer or have you always been quite, um, sure in how you set up your goals I mean for me it definitely has changed and I didn't even realize it but I was very um I guess my goal setting was focused very uh solely on my business goals I guess before where I was like just focusing on what's happening to the company that you know I'm working on with Sammy or the business that I own what what are the goals within that what what's the goal with me personally within the business and growing in my skill set to make sure I'm better at my job every day all of that kind of stuff. And it wasn't until the cancer diagnosis, I realized I was like, hang on a second. I don't have a lot of like personal growth kind of goals. I'm not, I've never really been the kind of girl that's like, I don't have like a vision board that has like 
a wedding and children and stuff on it. That has never really been my focus. It's always been around career for me. So I realized after the cancer diagnosis, I was like, geez, I don't really have anything that I'm personally trying to like work towards. Sure, it's like this holiday, that car, those kinds of things. But like me personally within myself, like personal Mm -hmm. growth, I didn't have any of that. So now I'm kind of very specific about it where I set aside time every month to sit down and assess like, what are my goals here and what are those steps? So I do write it down. I think that's important, writing down your goals. I, I mean, there's statistics around it that you're like, you know, 80% more likely to achieve something if you write it down, whatever. Um, but for me personally, I do think that that works and it makes you feel more accountable. It feels more real. And then you can put those steps in place. Yep. Um, and for me, it's about like those small steps and also figuring out the why. Why do I want that car? Why do I want to reach this many Instagram followers? Why do I want to have a podcast? What is the why for these goals that I'm wanting to achieve? Because I think that sometimes we have goals, like say, for instance, I had on my vision board, a happy family. And I don't actually really want children, I don't think. So like, am I just doing that because society wants me to? What is the why? Why is that on my goal list? Um, and really getting down to the crux of that, because sometimes you'll often find that your why is actually not your why. Mm. It's somebody else's why. You're never going to achieve. It's like, you know, when someone says like, you can't quit smoking for your friends, you have to do it for yourself. You know, and it's exactly the same with your goal setting. You can't set your goals based on what other people want for your life. It has to be what you want. So that's been a really important thing for me as well, that figuring out the why and the intention and the feeling I'm going to have when I reach that goal, because if that's not in place, then there's no point in achieving those goals because you're never going to actually feel like you've accomplished anything when you achieve it, because it's not what you really wanted anyway. Yeah, for sure. And and it's like, I've heard someone say before, like when you get to the why, you question that why why that why you know and you keep going deeper until you can really nut out like why you have that goal in place so like really diving deep and making sure there's a a real deep purpose behind having that but that is very important like I actually had a little bit of an epiphany as well at the start of the year I was like I'm always writing down goals for my podcast for my career and then I was like you know what about my relationship what about my you know me as as a person as well and so when I was looking at or when I was even coming up with the areas of balance uh, you know, it's kind of like, what are your goals in each of those areas across your work, your health and your, you as a person in your relationships, whether it be with your family, with a partner or with friendships, you know, like you have to have an idea of who you want to be in each of those areas. Like it can obviously um, flow in between each of those, but I think it's, I think it's nice to pay the same attention to our personal lives as we do our businesses, because that's where you see growth. That's where you, you know, can communicate better with other people and, and really get a better understanding. Like we were saying before, to be able to communicate what you want to others, you've got to know what that is first. So that's a sure, fine way to do it. And the other thing you said, how you uh, check in monthly, I think frequently revisiting those goals would probably, number one, also boost your um commitment or I guess the the possibility of them actually coming to fruition. And the second thing why I think that's important is things can change and it's okay for them to change too. Like you can change your direction a little bit and therefore adjust your goals. Um, I think, you know, people, people get really tied to, oh, but I I said I was going to do this. So I'm going to stick to that. Like if that changes, if you're frequently checking in with that goal, you can sort of readjust and make sure you're still on the right track. It's just like, imagine a train, like you're just doing a track change, but you're still on the train. So it's all good. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I agree with that. Awesome. Now, before I let you go and ask you where people can best reach out, I do want to know what's something you wish you were taught or told at a younger age? Like so many things. (laughs) Um, But I think for me, I would have really liked to have, I think right now growing up, it would be a good time for women, especially whether we're sort of questioning the things that society are teaching us and our value. I grew up at a time where women's appearance was very important on the priority list of where we were valued in society. Mm. And um, I think that that would have been really good to be able to just shout out to our younger self being like, that's not where your value is. Don't like put your priority, your highest priority is your appearance on your to-do list. You know what I mean? And so I think that that would be probably what I would want to focus telling myself, my younger self that, you know, like men get taught that their value is in success and how much money they can make. And then women are taught, it's like how pretty they are and how skinny they can be. Yeah. And um, neither of those yeah. is necessarily right. Um, I think that it's important that I, I would have been nice to be able to have 
glasses on that told me when I was being pushed an agenda from society on like what I should be as a woman rather than like who I actually am as a person and that quote from Dolly Parton that's one of my favorites is like find out who you are and do it on purpose it would have been great to kind of like get into that as a young girl rather than waiting until you know I had cancer when I was in my 30s um so I think that's probably what I would have like taught my younger self maybe and that book from I'm not sure if you read it but Untamed by Glennon Doyle I'm always like no, shopping in people's faces such an amazing no, book yeah it just kind of it's like sort of biographical I guess but her kind of realizing like what we're shown as women and taught from a young age compared to like what men are taught from a young age, neither of which is right. Obviously men are told never to have emotions and never to be upset and that's wrong as well. Um, but, you know, women are taught, you know, like not to speak unless spoken to and like be polite and, you know what I mean, dress like a lady and act like a lady, all those kinds of things that make us feel like we have to sort of like push down who we are as a person and we mm. can't just like be confident who we are as ourselves. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's a lesson I would have liked to have learned earlier, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Very empowering. And one, I think uh, it's, 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 it really will come down to society shifting, which I think there is like a little bit of movement now moving towards individuality and, and honoring people's uniqueness. Um, but, but yeah, I can, I can totally resonate um, with what you're saying. And yes, w- would have been great to have that growing up as well, but it's never too late to, ra- you know, gra- grasp it and, and I guess communicate with it later down the track. Exactly. <laughs> Alrighty. So if people want to, you know, check out your stationery, connect with you and all the amazing things you're doing, or even, I mean, I'll pop a link to your podcast. She was the fire below. What are the best sort of places they can uh, reach out? I think everything just comes from my Instagram page. It's all there pretty much. So yeah, at Courtney Mangan, that's my handle. And I have like my links to my podcast and my stationery and stuff all from that handle. So that's probably the best central place to find me. Beautiful. I will pop all the links there. I just want to thank you so much for your time, for sharing your story and for doing everything you're doing with the podcast. I love it. And I know a lot of people out there also very drawn to it. So I'm looking forward to see what you do over the next year. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate chatting with you. And that's a wrap for this week, Balancers. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you found this episode useful to some degree in either steering or determining your definition of balance today. As always, the biggest compliment for us is if you share this episode with someone who you feel might need it, or if you're on Spotify, you can click follow or on Apple Podcasts, you can leave a rating or review. If you have any suggestions for up and coming podcasts, feel free to shoot us a DM or an email. Our Instagram is at the balance theory and our email is the balance theory podcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, you've always got the option of subscribing to our mailing list. We only send you email reminders when the episodes drop so you get them fresh out of the oven. No annoying spam, we promise. I hope you enjoy the rest of your week and until next time, stay balanced. Stop, stop, stop.